You're listening to the Learn Like a CPA podcast, where we talk about all things real estate, tax strategy, and personal finance. Whether you're a real estate investor looking to scale your portfolio, or you're an individual wanting to take your financial freedom journey to the next level, this is a podcast for you. Hey everyone, before we get into the podcast today, I want to tell you about a brand new educational opportunity that I'm offering. Coming up in February, I'm releasing a comprehensive tax course for short-term rental investors. This course is designed to teach you everything you need to know to make confident tax decisions that will save you hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of your investing journey. Listeners of the Learn Like a CPA show can use the promo code PODCAST20 to receive 20% off of the course. To learn more, go to the link in my show notes and you can sign up for the pre-launch. There you will be notified when the course drops. And now let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today I had the opportunity to interview John from Johnny Finance. John is a full-time content creator in the finance space. He's a financial coach and he's also an investor himself. In our conversation today, we talked about John's beginning as an accountant throughout college and even through the first couple of years of his career. We talked about how he migrated into being becoming a full-time content creator because of the need for that product in the space. There is all this information out there within finance and needing to know what applies to your situation and what doesn't is what John will specialize in. We talked about house hacking. We talked about various tax strategies that you can use in your business. And we also talked about what we're most interested in coming up on 2023. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, welcome everyone. Special day today. We are taking the time to interview and talk to Johnny Finance. So that's at Johnny Finance on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Where else are you at, John? You're everywhere, right? Uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the all the all platforms. The platforms. You know, so. uh, and let's let's get a little bit of an introduction. So I kind of want. I was kind of really curious, like obviously we're both we're both still fairly young and what did you do in like your previous life before you got into full-time content creation and and sort of finance um coach what did you do in your previous life to what you're doing now yeah i mean i i can take you back to when i was like back in high school um i kind of grew up in a middle class household we never really talked about money but uh, it was kind of the just traditional like my parents both worked but um i i I always describe myself as always having the entrepreneurial bug. So I had, uh, I made custom socks when I was in high school and would sell those to some of my classmates. I would, uh, do the classic, like buy packs of gum for a dollar and sell them for $2. So I always had this kind of career oriented entrepreneurship and even creative mind, uh, growing up, like my best friend and I, we had a YouTube channel together that we made videos on for like two or three years. Like it never took off, but it was just something that, you know, um, flexed our creative outlet. So I, that's how I describe myself growing up. I was like always curious. I always wanted to kind of create and, and build things. Um, and even to this day, it's funny. Um, my friends know that I don't like watching movies. Like I don't like sitting down and watching a movie because I just get so antsy. I want to go up and, and do something and build something or create something. So I don't, I don't have the time to sit down for two hours and, and, uh, watch a movie. So, um, that's just kind of like how I am, but um, so, so going into college, I, uh, you know, I, I had that business mindset and I knew if I wanted to create a business in the future, I would have to understand like money and know like cash flows and all that. So I decided to go with a, a finance major in college. 
Um, I, I, I definitely don't regret my college major at all. Um, I think it was very beneficial to helping me understand the concepts of accounting and financial modeling and, and things like that. Um, but I, but I realized like they didn't really teach the personal finance of things. They didn't teach me how to get my first credit card or how to start a Roth IRA or anything like that. So I, I kind of saw the gap of financial education that, um, you know, if people aren't being taught personal finance, if, if finance majors aren't being mm. taught personal finance, no one else is being taught this sort of stuff. So I saw the gap in education and I wanted to f- fill that gap. And me being that creative mindset, I was like, oh, let's just start making some videos or, or blog posts about financial, personal finance and financial independence. And that's kind of how I, I got started into content creation. I eventually got onto TikTok and started posting um, personal finance TikToks. And that's kind of how I blew up from there. But as I was posting, I know you asked about kind of my, my personal life before content creation. Um, I was like, you know, I graduated college with the finance major. I was an accountant for probably uh, like two and a half years, but I wasn't a CPA. It was more just like auditing and bookkeeping and things like that. So um, that's what I was after college. And then two and a half years out of college, I, I my TikTok had taken off since then, and I became a, a full-time content creator. So that's kind of my background and whole story. Um, we can definitely touch on anything that uh, you're interested in from there. Yeah, I definitely do. So I also have an accounting and finance degree, and I had the same realization as you, even taking the accounting and the finance classes. They didn't really emphasize, again, how to open up, you know, how to, how to establish credit and how to open up a Roth IRA and just really hammer that time value of money of to say, hey, look, if you're that 25 year old something and you can get out of debt relatively quickly and you invest your couple hundred dollars a month into an index fund, you can amass a good amount of wealth just by doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things you mentioned though early on was how taboo talking about money was at the dinner table or with your family. And so one of the things I wanna ask is in your opinion, how detrimental is that of just the idea that money is taboo with our family, our friends, our, our, our partners, how, how detrimental do you think that is to wealth building in general? Yeah. Well, I I think if you don't talk about a certain topic, like people just aren't going to learn about it. And so, um, and that is a thing in in today's society is like money is a taboo topic. Um, you know, people are willing to talk about sex more Mm. than, than money, you know, how much they make. And so I, I feel like if we're not talking about these concepts, you know, no one's really learning about it. Like no one, like even through salary transparency, like people don't talk about their salaries and then no one knows how much they should be getting paid. Um, and you know, people are, you know, traditionally underpaid in certain industries. So I think it is extremely detrimental that, you know, we're not having these conversations and that's what you and me are trying to, you know, speak up for. We want to have these money conversations with our kids, like in the households or with our uh, friends, you know, hanging out or with our family members, uh, at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, we want to have these conversations so, uh, people can like be open to asking questions and cause th- that's how you learn If you're not talking about it, you're not going to ask questions. You're not going to learn. And I think that's what's kept people from building wealth for so long is they just don't talk about it and we don't learn about it. Yeah. I've always had that similar thought of, Hey, you know, if the schools aren't teaching it, then it's really up to our parents to teach us how to manage money, how to handle money. And if our parents aren't good stewards of money, well, what does that mean for us? If they're supposed to be the ones Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be responsible for teaching it to us, we're never going to learn it. Another thing you had mentioned too is 
money is such a taboo topic, even with our friends, that people won't realize that they're actually being underpaid. And I've had that experience with some of my friends where it's like, especially with the nurses and maybe even some of the accountant fields where it's, hey, there's nurses over here making 24, 25 an hour thinking that's the standard, but there's also nurses with similar background and experience that might be making 35 or 40 an hour. And they just don't know mm. that because they're not sharing their salary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's important to uh, be be transparent with people, and I think luckily, like TikTok and and YouTube, like some of these concepts are bringing uh, bringing light or shedding light to some of these concepts. Because I, I don't know if you've seen like Salary Transparent Street, or when when people are going up to uh, you know people on the on the street saying, "Hey, how much do you make?" or "Hey, how much do you have in your bank account?" I think these conversations and and are are what people need to know. Um, and, and those videos are going viral too. So, um, I, I think that's why there's a thirst for it. There's just a, a lack of educators in the space. Um, and again, that's what you and I are trying to do is just create more financial literacy and, and transparency throughout the entire industry. So, so what is your, what is your current life look like post now that you're out of the corporate America W2 and how, what are you doing now that helps other people? Yeah. Um, uh, so I was, like I said, like I said, I was an accountant for about uh, a year and a half out of college. And, uh, while I was doing that, I was also making TikToks. And so I didn't even make my first dollar for, from TikTok for like 18 months. I was just posting, you know, consistently for free. And, um, I was enjoying doing that and I still enjoy doing it, but now I've learned how to kind of like monetize it and, and get sponsorships and affiliates and, you know, maybe, uh, create digital products that people can find useful. So now I am a full-time content creator through those uh, monetization strategies. And uh, from there, I mean, I, I went full-time content creator uh, in May of 2021. And from there, I've just learned so much as an entrepreneur that, you know, systems are everything and you need a good team behind you and you can't do everything yourself. And so um, I'm really trying to build a, a team and build systems that, uh, can help spread the message of financial education to an even larger audience because there's only so much I can do. There's only so much that uh, TikTok can do. You know, obviously it can. My videos can be seen by millions of people, but um, if I don't have the right team and systems in place, then um, you know it's 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 kind of it's capping me at a glass ceiling. So that's what I'm like learning and and fighting through right now. So what are some of those processes and systems that you, you like to use in your business that makes your life easier? So I know one for me I'll say is Calendly. So Calendly is this app that you can set your availability, set your hours and send it to somebody to say, Hey John, here's the hours that I'm available this week. Go ahead and book a meeting, but even more so it'll also send out automated emails and follow-ups and discussions. And even if you're going to do one-on-one -on -one consulting, you can actually collect payment through Calendly. Uh, so that's one thing that's been a game changer for me. I can't even explain how many hours that's probably saved me per year. And for the cost of like a hundred dollars, it is so much worth <laughs> it for me. They should be sponsoring me for saying this, but they're not, but I, that's just how much I love the product. Is there, is there a product or is there a service that you love? You can't live without. Yeah, no, I, I, I echo that with you, man. Calendly has been such a game changer. And when you think about just all the, all the weight that it carries, I mean, think about like 
to to have someone to schedule your meetings and then send follow-up emails and even collect payments like you would have to pay almost a full-time admin to to do that stuff um and then calendly is is only like like you said maybe a hundred dollars a year it's like seven dollars a month or something crazy like that so um i i completely echo that that calendly is is such a game changer and there's so much software coming out that does you know replace a traditional maybe admin or a virtual assistant or or things like that um one of the uh systems and softwares that i use that i really love is notion um th they don't sponsor me either but notion has been a just a game changer for cataloging and organizing my content um and even it, it can go even deeper than that it can organize like my whole life mm. and so um you know i have my calendar on it i have um, I have my systems, I have my, uh, you know, process documentation for, for all the, um, kind of, you know, all the systems that I run through that. So, um, I, I wish I could show you my whole notion board, uh, or I could show the audience my whole notion board cause it's, it's super advanced, but, um, it just makes my life so much easier cause it takes a lot of weight off of like, uh, thinking through my content and, uh, thinking through my vision of where I want to take this, you know, financial education this financial education, um, you know, I, just the fact that I want to, you know, spread the financial education, you know, as far as possible. So notion has been a big one for me. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's take a step back. And so, cause I want to ask, what is it that you, what are your current offerings for products? So you had mentioned that you have sponsors for TikTok and Instagram and you have some e-products. Uh, do you do any one-on-one -on -one coaching or mentoring or mastermind groups? Can you explain a little bit more about what sort of products or services that you offer? Yeah, I think I've tried a lot of products and services and I, I think each, each product and service works different for different people. So, um, for me personally, I would have, I used to offer one-on-one -on -one meetings and, you know, I charge an hourly rate for that. But for me, it didn't really make sense because, you know, I would spend 30 minutes before prepping for the meeting. I would spend an hour in the meeting and then 30 minutes, like kind of uh, post meeting. Um, so it's taking up a lot of my time. And I, I thought that if I could just make a video on this concept that we talked about, you know, thousands of and hundreds of thousands of people could see it. And I, I think that's more beneficial to the to the general population than just doing a one-on-one -on -one meeting. So I, I ended up stopping doing one-on-one -on -one meetings because I'd rather create a video and, and have uh, a lot more people view it. Um, I've done eBooks. Uh, you know, I offered eBooks for like financial independence and, and just starting out. You know, that it, it doesn't produce a lot of income, but I think it's it's beneficial for the audience. Something that I'm definitely looking forward or looking into potentially is creating. Uh, some sort of like templates for, for people to download, like free templates or, or maybe budgeting, uh, you know, sheets or, or something like that, where I can create, um, you know, an Excel sheet that people can uh, budget or um, track their net worth or, or whatever, you know, a calculator or some sort of like that. So I think doing that is a, a great, you know, benefit for both parties as well. But um, I haven't dive, I haven't dove too deep into the digital product space just because I've been so focused on my content. I feel like content is what drives the machine forward. So if I can just like make banger, like stellar content, I, I think uh, the products will, will eventually come uh, in the future, but that's why I'm just focusing on mostly content right now. Yeah. And one of the things I kind of want to go back to is we we're both really interested in real estate and I know we both kind of have similar backgrounds and how we got started. So one of the concepts I wanted you to break down today is, is house hacking and how, you know, 
middle 20 something year olds can use house hacking as their venture into home ownership as well as their first time being a landlord and a real estate investor because one of the things that i've dealt with uh in local churches and just overall wealth building in general is a lot of like lower and middle income class families the way that they're actually able to build and save wealth is through home ownership and being able to pass mm -hmm. and transfer down home ownership can you explain how you got started in house hacking and kind of what that looks like now yeah, for those of you who don't know, house hacking is basically when you purchase a property, um, either a multi-unit property or a, a, a house with multiple bedrooms. You live in one of the rooms or one of the units, and then you rent out the other room or unit. So what I did with my first house, um, I, I bought a duplex here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, I lived in the top unit. Uh, so there's two units. I lived in the top unit, and then I rented out the bottom unit. And um, I can give you the numbers real quick. The mortgage was like, it's like 1600 per month and like all in like PITI. Um, and I was renting out the bottom for, for 1250. So house hacking allowed me to live for like three or $400 per month, which is crazy to think about because I mean, those prices are unheard of right now. Um, so I was living very cheaply and it's just like, honestly, one of the best ways you can build wealth as a young person just coming out of college. If you have, if you can save, you know, 15, 20, $25,000 and get into your first house hack, um, the return on investment for a house hack is nearly infinity because it's just such a massive, um, you know, it, you get a low down payment, but then you get a high return on investment, um, as well as tax benefits and, and depreciation and, uh, uh, just a bunch of cool things uh, from house hacking. So, oh, your your numbers are actually almost identical to my house hack, right? So my mortgage payments around sixteen hundred bucks, and I I'm able to get twelve hundred for the other unit. And so my you know my all in cost per housing is only four hundred dollars a month currently for my primary yeah. residence. And being able to reduce what is most people's largest expense every single month, which is what they spend on housing you're able to build a good amount of wealth because now you're not shelling out 30, 40% of your income somewhere else. You're able to bring your monthly spend down to say sub 10% in most cases, sub 10, 15%. Mm -hmm. And it also feels the catalyst for further real estate investing because then you get the idea and you, you kind of see what it means to be a landlord and kind of collect rent and have to do repairs yourself. I know when I was running the numbers, at least on my deal, because I was able to put a little money down. You know, my deal ended up being like 250% return per year when I was able to crunch the yeah. numbers and what, what it would look like when I do eventually move out and I rent out my side. It something like a 250% return on my money per year. Yeah, it's it's insane, uh, especially with the low down payment. Um, and, and what I love about house hacking too is like, it, it is, you, you get into the real estate investing game and it's like, on training wheels, you know, you're investing, but, um, if anything goes wrong with the property, like you live in the property, so it's not going to like burn down and you're going to be across the country or anything like that, you know? And so it, it really helps the peace of mind when getting into real estate investing. Uh, you can learn some hands-on work, like being a landlord and understanding to build those systems. Like we talked about earlier. Um, it helps you understand what it's like to be a real estate investor, um, and not just a property owner. So, um, I would recommend uh, house hacking to really anyone. Like you said, a 250% return. I feel like mine was uh, pretty near that as well. When you count in appreciation, cash flow, and 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 all that, so it's just one of the best ways to build wealth, especially while you're young. And I would recommend it to anyone. 
And for those out here interested in how you get a loan for that, if you are fresh out of college with one year of work experience, you will actually qualify for a loan using an FHA loan. And so you don't need to have two years of work experience, but if you're fresh out of college and you land a job in your field, you're able to have one year of work experience in order to qualify for a house. Uh, was that your experience too? Or do they want two years or? Um, yeah, so I was actually, I was working for about a year and a half, um, but I ended up going a, a conventional loan um, I might have two years of, of working experience. I'm not sure, but I went on a conventional 5% loan, um, just trying to either save my FHA loan or, um, you know, at the time of buying, like people weren't really accepting FHA loans that much. So I ended up just going a 5% conventional loan. And, and because it was an owner occupied loan, because I was living in the property, they allowed me to uh, put 5% down, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because if I could go back in time, I would actually do the conventional loan as opposed to the FHA. One of the big reasons why is like you mentioned, there's FHA has different requirements to be able to get the deal done. And a lot of times sellers may not want to entertain an FHA offer, but more so mm -hmm. as importantly is when you do reach 20% equity, see when you have less than 20% equity in a property, you have to pay what's called PMI or private mortgage insurance. And once you, once you get 20% equity, that's supposed to fall off. Well, what I didn't know is that when you have an FHA loan, you have to hire an appraiser to come out, value your property, and then you have to refinance with the bank in order to drop the PMI, the private mortgage insurance. Well, with a conventional loan, like John's with 5% down, is once that property hits 20% equity, and you can, all you have to do is send out the appraiser, the appraiser is going to say, Hey, here's what the property's worth. And then the bank's going to say, okay, John, you have 20% equity in the property. You don't even have to refinance in order to drop the PMI. It'll actually just drop off automatically. And that could save somebody, you know, two 2,500 bucks in closing costs just by doing that. So had I have gone back and what I know now is I would have also done the conventional 5%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the FHA loan is great. Um, if, if you're a, a veteran as well, like the VA loan is, is good to get as well. Um, but I think I will end up using a potentially an FHA loan on my second property. It just kind of depends on what, what things are looking like. But I, I still say like, even if you have to go FHA route, I mean, the fact that your house hacking is still, it's still one of the best things to, to build well. So whether you get FHA or conventional, um, you, you know, you're not going to lose in the end. So, so I'm curious to hear this, uh, answer and then we'll dive into a little bit of the tax stuff soon as what would you say is like your sort of investment allocation percentage? So for me, it's like, all right, you know, let's say I'm making this much money per month. How much percent am I investing towards real estate? How much am I putting back into my business? And then how much am I investing in stocks or maybe my IRA? Do you have like a steadfast percentage that you personally use? that you'd recommend or what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's definitely going to look different for everyone. Um, and, and my fiance and I have talked about this a lot. It's like, well, okay, what do we want our income to, to go to mostly? Obviously stocks and index funds are the most passive. You kind of just set it and forget it. You don't need to worry about it. But um, we feel like we could get more returns uh, either through real estate investing, like house hacking, or by putting that into our business um, through into Johnny Finance as well. So um, I, I think right now we're, we're putting probably, I, I, I don't even know if I could give you percentages, but I would guess like maybe 20% of our income goes to um, like stocks and just like passive stuff. That's, that's really like a Roth IRA really. We're just maxing those out. And then um, we do have 
money being set aside for our next house hack. We want to house hack uh, in a property together. Um, so that would be real estate. That's maybe like 30 or 40%. And then uh, the rest is going back into the business. Um, we think, at least I think, uh, you know, that's a much better return on investments. Uh, you know, I think we can really build the business up, whether it's, uh, you know, putting out digital products or offering coaching or monetizing uh, through YouTube or sponsorships or whatever. Uh, I think the, the money spent on the business side is going to go a lot further than uh, just getting like a 10% return on stocks. But I still advocate for the stock market for the majority of people. So Right, right. I will switch over to taxes and I know like we've worked together and we've done like live events before where we talked about some strategies and uh, you were even on the live event that we did with the Phi couple a few weeks ago teaching people mm -hmm. real estate tax strategies, business tax strategies. What are some strategies that you've learned, um, whether it's retirement account investing, real estate strategies or business strategies that you're most excited about implementing every single year in your business or your retirement accounts? What are some of those strategies that you that you like? Yeah, I, I will say that that talk with uh, you and the five couple and Anna, that was phenomenal. I, I definitely learned a lot with you guys there. Um, and it was completely free, which is it's crazy. It's like you guys just offer this information for free. It's like I could, you know, pay uh, pay an accountant for like, you know, $200 an hour for consulting or I could, you know, listen to you guys. So I think it was uh, uh, so much value provided in that. So I thank you guys for that. But um, I, I think um, one of the biggest lessons that I learned is just like the difference between tax planning and tax preparing. It's like it's definitely two different things because, you know, tax planning is you, you're, you know, usually you do it in the summer where you're planning, okay, what can I do now? What can I spend now or save now to um, reduce my taxable, to reduce my, you know, taxable income? Uh, and reduce that liability. Whereas tax preparing is really kind of just getting all your documents together, making sure your um, W-9s are coming in and, and all that. So um, that was a big one for me, just the, the different the difference between the two. Um, and, and you guys kind of spelled that out, which was awesome. But some of the strategies that I'm personally using, uh, definitely you know want to get the, the depreciation from my rental property, my duplex. Um, I think that's a huge one. Um, and another one I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, and I want to talk to you more about this, but um, using the solo 401k loan to buy more real estate. Um, it, it, it definitely sounds like a no-brainer, um, and I'm going to try to explain it and let me know if, if, if something uh, is off with it. But um, to, my, to my knowledge that um, business owners can use a solo 401k, they can put money, um, I think it's up to $60,000 into this solo 401k. And um, they can get the tax write-off. They they reduce their sorry they reduce their um, taxable income by putting money into it. But then on the backside, you can actually take a loan from your solo 401k. You take a loan from yourself essentially, and you can use that loan to buy real estate. And so that's something I am heavily considering because it's like, hey, I'm going to pay a lot of taxes as a business owner, but I also want to buy another rental property in the future. So. Maybe if I can lower my taxable income this year by putting a lot of money into a solo 401k and then, you know, next year taking a loan from that money and buying a rental property. I mean, it kind of, it kind of sounds too good to be true in my mind. So, um, I'm just kind of like thinking through what, uh, how, how to actually do that. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to in the future. Yeah, no, we could definitely talk about that. That one's a very interesting and really in the weed strategy. Now, 
the solo for wonky you hit it on the head it, there is the business owner can get the tax deduction for the money that they put in now you can do what's called self-directing your solo 401k where your retirement account actually owns the real estate the problem with that is now that the real estate is owned by your retirement account and not necessarily you which means your losses from that rental property and the real estate that you're generating are not going to flow through to your other rental properties and you're also going to have to buy it mm. in a retirement account as opposed to your personal name where you can get much more favorable financing and loans and so it's something that i'm interested in is being able to contribute to my four, my solo 401k and then next year or a year and a half later turn around and borrow against the value of that account now as far as for some numbers here you're able to borrow up to fifty thousand dollars from the plan or fifty percent of the total value of the plan whichever's whichever is greater. Right. So, you know, if I have $80,000 in my plan, I'm able to borrow $40,000 against it. And, and now that I'm borrowing the money to myself, and what's interesting is you're actually paying interest back to your account. And the, and the, the rate that you pay it at is typically at prime rate plus one or 2%. So it's like the interest that I am paying is just going back to myself anyway, and making my account more money. And so it's a no brainer to kind of go through the hassle of, of doing that so it's it's a very interesting kind of strategy that i've i've developed or i've taught people piecing everything together right learning about yeah contributing to you know first you have to understand what a solo 401k is and then you have to understand that you can actually borrow against it and then you have to understand that oh well you can self-direct your retirement account but then it's not in your personal name it's your retirement account that owns it and putting everything together and coming up with a strategy that could work for somebody like you and i who are business owners, but also want to own rental properties. It's like the best of both worlds, putting those two together. So John, another thing I wanted to ask is as we're coming up on the end of 2022 and into 2023 with, I mean, everything that's going on in the last couple of years with the, with the pandemic and, and this urge for financial independence and all these other things, what are you, what are you most excited about for 2023? Whether it's you personally as a business owner, as a real estate investor, what are you, what are you most excited about or some of the projects that you're going to be working on in this coming year? Yeah, I, I think, um, there's a lot of things I get excited about, but trying to keep my focus on just a few is, is the tough thing. I feel like a lot of us have that shiny object syndrome where we like go from, from, you know, topic to topic, but I'm really trying to focus on just my content in general, um, creating a good community of people who, like, like personal finance, like financial independence, and in creating really good content that resonates with audience, with the audience. Um, so that's, you know, staying on TikTok, staying active on TikTok, but then also upgrading my YouTube. I feel like I've been slacking on my YouTube channel. So, um, in, especially with YouTube shorts coming and, um, you know, YouTube shorts making a, a big play in that as well. But, um, just creating better and higher quality content, more quantity as well. I think that's what's really going to build the audience. And then, like I said before, that's what's going to drive the machine. That's what's going to um, be, you know, I'm going to be able to get more sponsorships. I'm going to be able to get more affiliates. I'm going to be able to sell more digital products. I'm going to be able to buy more real estate because of that. So that's really what I'm focused on is like nailing down my content machine and um, I feel like everything can grow from there as well. So um, that's kind of what I'm most excited about. What about you? Do you think uh, you're going to you know, just keep crushing the content and, and building your uh, online CPA business? Yeah, so one thing to touch on there is you mentioned the shiny object syndrome. Uh, we just, 
Alex Hermosi also calls it the lady in the red dress is another yeah, terminology yeah. where people use where it's, Hey, you see this thing going on over here where it might look like a quick way to make some money, but it's not really your primary objective or the task mm -hmm. at hand. And so even for me, so I've even taken on some business consulting clients where I help them, you know, build the brand, uh, deliver value, create products, but that's, it's really secondary to what I do as a real estate CPA and an investor. So it's almost like a lady in the red dress to me. Yeah. As far as what my goals in 2023 would be to help as many people as possible, no matter what stage of the game that they are as, as a real estate investor. And so currently, you know, for 2022, I really only have one sort of product or service offering, and that's one-on-one -on -one consulting and tax planning uh, versus I want to be able to offer that same sort of advice to the masses. And so no matter where you're at in your journey, I can help that. And I'm going to be able to do that by doing more, more live events, going to do workshops, come out with courses, free eBooks, et cetera. So that way I can really meet every single investor, no matter which stage of the game that they're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally resonate with that too, because it's like, we want to help as many people as we can. And I think just making those digital products, whether it's a, a beginner uh, accounting, you know, write off class or, um, you know, uh, or an advance, you know, writing off, um, uh, you know, some real estate investments. Um, I, I think creating those courses and, and creating those digital products. So like everyone can, can be helped at their disposal, um, is, is really the way to go. And that's what I'm trying to like, think about too, is like create a community, but also like give the people what the people want. If they want a, a budgeting template to help them, uh, budget better, you know, I'm willing to give that to them. And so, uh, listening to my audience more and uh, understanding that, you know, building this community is like the the thing that's going to drive everything else. So, Right. So one last thing off the top of your head, what is one piece of advice that you would give to uh, a person just starting out investing? Just starting out investing, um, definitely just play the long-term game. You know, I, I, there's a quote that says play long-term games with long-term people. I think you mm. need to really consider like, who are you surrounding yourself with one? But when it comes to investing, like, just think about like, what can make you money in 10 years, not like 10 days, you know? So it's the invest for decades, not invest for days kind of mindset. So I, that, that's, that's what I uh, preach. And that's what I, you know, do in my own life. I'm investing in long-term, like, assets, whether it's real estate stocks or index funds and in my business as well, I feel like that's going to be around for a decade. So I'm um, just thinking about the long-term game, not, not getting caught up with the girl in the red dress or the shiny object syndrome. Um, so I, I think that's the best piece of advice I can give to people is just think long-term. Right. That's, it's awesome that you bring that up. Cause I just got done watching a video by Simon Sinek and he talked about uh, the long-term companies that play long-term games, they're able to outperform in the long run, other companies that are just in it for a short-term profit. Mm -hmm. And I believe he used the example of like Amazon, right? So Amazon started off selling books and having a you know bookstore and then eventually turned into this conglomerate where now they're selling basically everything. And Hey, it's, it's not, Oh, I'm going to order these shoes. I'm going to order it off Amazon. Right. That's what everybody says now. And mm -hmm. the, when I think about Amazon, like they were just playing a long-term game in a field where there's a lot of people that were short-term players and they ended up becoming an extremely successful company that way. But. Yeah. And even with AWS, I mean, they've, they're, they're still thinking like 10 years ahead with, with AWS and, uh, you know, capturing data and, and, and all that stuff. So they are, yeah, they're going to be around for the next decade, 100%. So. 
Well, thanks so much again for your time today. It's been awesome for, I'm sure the listeners got a lot of value out of this. If people wanted to get in touch with you and reach out and see what you're up to, where can they find you? Yeah, I encourage them to uh, check out my TikTok at Johnny Finance. That's John, the letter E, Finance. Uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Um, and then you can also check out my website at John E. Finance. So um, you can catch me anywhere there. And uh, yeah, Ryan, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Uh, it, it's been a pleasure. And I'm excited to see where we're going uh, in 2023. So thanks, John. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for tuning into the episode today. Again, if you want to find John, you can reach out to him at Johnny Finance on all social media platforms. And again, if you want to get in contact with me, it's going to be at Learn Like a CPA on all social media platforms. <laughs>